What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in. Today's episode, I had the great opportunity to sit down once again with a longtime friend of mine, Cole Cresselius. Cole is one of the co-founders of the brand Crochet Kids, who was a great social impact brand, highlighting the names of the makers who make your products. They've been doing it for years. Really neat story there. But Cole and his partners have sort of made a pivot and they have launched a new brand um, sort of in the same, uh, with the same ethos for sure, just sort of a little bit of a different approach. It's called Known Supply. Still though, with the emphasis on the makers and that transparent supply chain, they're really doing something um, special and unique, I think a little disruptive, and it is always inspiring to chat with Cole, hear what he's up to, and just sort of hear his take on the state of um, the industry and the state of their business. I'm fascinated watching these guys grow their business. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. There's a lot of talk about um, the apparel industry, supply chains, transparency, and we get into some fun sort of personal journey things as well with Cole, as he is always sort of pushing the boundaries um, of being a young entrepreneur and, and thinking, uh, thinking about what's next. So hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Underswell Podcast, news, stories, brand insights, product reviews, all to help you navigate the complexities of sustainability in your modern lifestyle. As I like to say, business can be done better, and in some cases it is. I'm Derek Sabori, I'm your host, and hey, it's just sustainability. Let's dive in to today's episode. We're live. I'm here on the podcast, on the uh, Underswell Podcast radio show. I'm with my good friend, Cole Cresselius. Cole, how are you today? I'm great, man. Thanks and for uh, having me. Thanks for stopping by the compound. That's what we call our Costa Mesa residents here. Cole's here at the compound, and I've, I've been um, wanting to get Cole on the podcast. He's one of my um, favorite people to talk to about business and, and just how you do things, what you've done. So let's dive in and let's share some of your stories with, uh, with the audience here. Cole, first I want to start with Crochet Kids. It looks like there's, there have been some changes with Crochet Kids, and you've got a new company, Known Supply, but give us a little update on what's going on with Crochet Kids. Yeah, so in 2017, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary of Crochet Kids International, which was is the headwear company, headwear and accessories company we started in 2007 uh, with the hope to begin empowering people to rise above poverty through job creation and we started by literally in 2007 going and training 10 women how to crochet and teach them a skill that we had and and that brand you know continues to thrive to this day but uh as we as we hit that as we were approaching that milestone of a decade we really started to ask some different questions around what more could we be doing in the space? What did we learn about the apparel industry? What did we learn about uh, global poverty alleviation? And how could we sort of begin to expedite some of these, the actions and the awareness around um, furthering you know, workers' rights, furthering workers' voices, and raising the level of awareness for a consumer? And that's where our known supply comes into the picture. And you guys, I mean, you've been at this for a while. I mean, you guys started this when you were in high school. So you're one of the co-founders of the, of the company, right? Yeah, so it goes back. Like the first act of our story, as I say, is we, we learned to crochet and we had this small headwear company. 
Uh, it was pre-thinking about anything related to social impact. It was just us creating headwear and selling it to our friends in the Pacific Northwest. So that's our, our background, and we translated that experience of, of having our own company and always sort of being entrepreneurial into leveraging it for a social purpose, for, for providing opportunities to people who otherwise wouldn't have those opportunities in it. And, and that sort of has become a central theme in my life and a, a call to action that I give to anyone else I come in contact with yeah. is to say, hey, what are the, what are the skills and, and passions, the things you already know how to do? What are the issues that you're passionate about? And how can you combine those two things? Um, very simply, you know, like we we tend to overcomplicate that incessantly and constantly, mm. and we and we we undermine ourselves, we undermine our, our abilities to create change. Uh, we have this story that that f- for whatever reason we just believed that something as simple as crocheting could make a difference, and that that we could make a change. We had sort of the audacity or the community behind us just saying go for it and we did and you know it's been a long time and it it wasn't you know all easy and not you know rose colored glasses don't like paint it's it wasn't that, that it, was, it wasn't all glory days uh, it wasn't all glory <laughs> but but it has had an insane impact and yeah. so um feel very fortunate to to get to be a participant in that not you know it's like get to be a player in that process um, and to continue that work on today. Yeah, and you guys, I mean, you, I think you guys are a foundational brand and you guys were early on, I think one of the first brands that I knew of, and I, I would probably argue, you know, that you were to start talking about who made your clothes. You know, now it's a big, it's a big thing and there's a big tagline, you know, and there's a big revolution, if you will, and you guys were onto that early on. and. So your role now is you're the you're the CEO of the company, yeah. right? Did you ever expect to see, be a CEO? Did you ever hope to and aspire to be? You know, that's a great question. I my sort of story with leadership, just you know, in my my background has been that a lot of it hasn't really I haven't really chosen it. It's sort of been placed on me sometimes unwillingly. Like <laughs> I don't want to always be the leader, but I've I've been in that position and and. It's it has been really challenging, really good, really growing throughout that process. Um, to answer your question, did I ever think I'd be a CEO? Honestly, yeah, I think I did. Uh, I think what a CEO is um, sometimes maybe is seems a little binary or seems a little black and white for people when the reality is I've gotten into it more is is realizing like what kind of leader do I want to be and I'm still figuring that out I I know that it's maybe not the traditional way that you know like business operator CEO type um but more like leading the vision of our work and and how to do that in a in uh an inspiring and and in like a gracious way is like something i'm constantly trying to figure out yeah and uh every day is a learning opportunity isn't it 100 (laughs) percent. yeah i mean it's really that's the other thing especially as like young young entrepreneurs or other people get get caught up in and i know i have and do to this day too is this idea that you know once we achieve x or once we have enough experience under our belt then we'll know the path forward Mm. then we'll you know set it in autopilot at one level and just 
like let it coast and we have these milestones that we just think if we could reach that then we will be on our way or we'll, we will have arrived and the the reality for anyone who's been in the game or who's who's started a movement or who's been a part of building something is more quickly the more quickly you can realize that that it's about that ongoing learning that it's about that step-by-step process of, of improvement over time uh, the better off you'll be because you'll just incessantly be let down with with the fact that new challenges will arise new problems will be on your doorstep and uh, and it can be disheartening if you don't have that longer term perspective yeah so it's a it's a journey yeah and how is um I mean, the journey though, so you guys, you've been in business now, you've been doing this for over 10 years. Yeah. So how do you, I guess I have two questions and I mean, I really want to clarify the, your approach to business yeah. with, with known supply and then how does that jive with just sort of your take on the apparel industry in general and where the apparel industry is and where it's going and do you feel, I mean, as a smaller brand and maybe almost, I mean, do you see yourself as a niche brand or do you guys feel as part of the mainstream now? You're in some mainstream stores, mm-hmm. but I, th- I feel like you guys have always kind of had your own groove. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's only because I was in the quote unquote action sports space and you mm-hmm. guys worked, you know, but do you feel like you're, you're part of this movement too? Or do you, do you guys ever feel like you're on the sidelines because you were a nonprofit for a while too? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. two questions, your approach with known supply and then how do you guys fit into and what's your take on the apparel industry in general? Yeah. So they're great. Those are great questions, and they definitely tie in together. So, first of all, the approach with known supply is really an extension and really an expansion, I guess would be the better word, for our work that we got going with Crochet Kids International. And at an early stage in our work with Crochet Kids, we were looking at our product, and we, we were sitting on the shelves at some great retailers, uh, and we're looking at our production and how it took place and these these incredible women in Uganda initially that, that were making all of our product and we said people don't understand the stories behind their product they don't understand the human lives that they are impacting in our case for the better through their purchases and we want to tell those stories and so at a very early point we started to have them hand sign every product that they would complete and then that led to building a an online platform where people could go and learn more about the person who made their product, even write them a thank you note and, and interact and engage in, in just this small and simple way. Which was really powerful and people responded to that in a big way, right? Totally, yeah. yeah. And and it made sense because from our experience traveling internationally, it was those are the impacts that that were left on us. That it was the people, it was the stories, it it was it was the understanding that we shared so much in common with with groups of people or individuals that we thought lived life so different than us. Um, and so creating those connections through our work with Crochet Kids, as we, as we hit this 10-year mark, we just said, man, what more could we be doing? And for so long, the, the way that I've kind of been talking about it is that I feel like we had we had held this idea hostage a little bit. That the thing that we wanted to be uniquely differentiated about ourselves um, was this was this connection, was this social impact that that was ours, and and we wanted that to help our brands be set apart. But the conundrum that I feel like any social impact brand or nonprofit sort of sits in is like how do you how do you hold on to that? without the same 
and at the same time further your mission. Mm. And it's this, it's this, it's this catch twenty two where, um, at the end of the day, like what you want to see is the most people possible being introduced to this idea. But if you're limited only to your brand, you're 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 sort of you know undercutting your mission at some level. And so we decided, you know, inspired by the Elon Musk's and other people of the world is just to kind of flip it on its head to out to like to make it available and to take a more inclusive approach. And so we launched known supply and the purpose was to say, Hey, we have at this point created not only headwear, we create apparel, we create all these great products in these really meaningful ways that are empowering people to rise above poverty. How can we take this and share it with as many people as possible that people can get an insight into the, the, the people and the stories behind our clothing and how can we help other brands even step into that story and, and overall change the consumer dialogue and the consumer purchasing behavior to, to consider the people behind their purchasing. And so known supply exists to do exactly that is either through selling our blank apparel to people to, to customize and personalize for their own use um, sell directly online still, uh, or, you know, even partnering with larger brands to do capsule collections that they can then, um, you know, tell a really great marketing story about the intention behind their goals to, to, you know, put goodwill back into the world as, as well. Yeah. And have transparency in the supply chain. Yeah. And when you say capsule collection, I mean, are we talking kind of wholesale business? Can they just do a wholesale program or, or is it a, a collaborative um, approach with you guys. What we've always found is there's there's so much you know more beauty and a better story to be told through the through the collaboration. I mean, even in the early days when we partnered with you and the team at Volcom, that was fun. Yeah, the idea that we we can bring sort of our best assets together and 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 the way we look at it is like we feel like we can help brands tell a really powerful social impact story in a way that's meaningful and authentic to them. I feel like some of these other bigger certifications or other things, it's like there are these box that these brand that brands have to fit in and, and you know, a laundry list of, of requirements and things that just, you know, check the box, check the box, mm. make sure you're doing these things. Yeah. Whereas what we hope to do is is to say, hey, what are you, what are the goals of the brand? How can we help to facilitate um, a really powerful story and produce in this really transparent way? And you know, test and understand where your customer is at with this. Yeah, and you guys still you you still have the meet the makers on the site, so people can go. The, the signature will be in the product. Yeah, they'll still go and find out, learn more about that maker and who they are, and, and learn about their their journey and their story. Is that right? Yeah, one hundred percent. That's we sort of land like looked at the landscape of of apparel, and we we you know did a quick survey and said, hey, there's a lot of people who are focusing and and are doing a lot of intentional work around supply chain transparency at a factory level and and sort of marking their goods across uh, across you know an entire production cycle. And then there on the other side, there are people that are really focusing on sustainability and and materials and the you know latter tiers of the supply chain, which is amazing. but we didn't we didn't feel like there was anyone who was really championing the people. Um, championing and raising awareness around the human impacts of of our purchasing decisions, and so we wanted to stand for that and uniquely carve out that space and say, "This is this is us, and this is what we want to do." 
And to answer your, your earlier question of like, is that niche? Is it mainstream? Our hope is that it is absolutely mainstream. What it has been and what I feel like it is even today is, is more niche. There's a, there is a customer out there who deeply cares about that. Um, and there are a growing number of them. Uh, but we have a ton of work to do. And it's not something that every customer's, you know, banging on the door asking about that sort of level of transparency. There's still a lot of other factors. And at the end of the day, many, all of us, I shouldn't even say many, are, are selfish about how we do our purchasing. And we have to, we have to help people understand the, like, the impacts and the ways that it does impact them as well as it impacts the communities that, that make their clothing. But that's our goal is to make it mainstream. Yeah. I love that. And what about, did you see any uptick? Gosh, it's almost, it's almost um, sad to say, but like, let's say after Rana Plaza, the true cost Mm -hmm. and with fashion revolution, has that helped to drive business? And, and is that, did you see any uptick at all? Or was that, um, you know, did you see any real uptick in business from that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, specifically in business, not, it's hard to say, I guess, like quantifiably, Mm -hmm. did, did we see this direct impact? Um, I would say the true cost has been a really powerful tool. Um, we have seen direct business benefits from that as, you know, we're, we're featured on their site. Um, Andrew Morgan, who produced that film, is, is a dear friend and somebody I, I respect a ton. And uh, he really helped to raise the level of awareness, not only for the end consumer, but for uh, for brands for people who are in apparel at different levels who maybe don't have the visibility into into what supply chain really means um and some of the negative impacts and i can't thank him enough for for making that film yeah it was really powerful i think it was a um a pivotal a pivotal moment just seeing that movie and i think that really helped open the eyes and i I would prescribe that movie to all my students, you know, and yeah. I talk to them like, go watch that, that movie and then you'll, and then you'll know. And it's surprising. A lot of people, I think they just, maybe consumers expect that things are done right. But I mean, you can vouch for this and I, and I maybe pose this question to you. Is there any hope because the supply chain is so complex and we've, it, we've made it really complex mm-hmm. and I think people are trying to untangle it, if you will. Mm-hmm. Do you think there is hope that more brands and bigger brands, can we can we shift to this known supply model and the model that you guys are, are promoting? Is it something that's, is this a pragmatic approach or will it always be something that's on the sidelines? Yeah, so my my thought around this, it's a, it's a great question, is, uh, is that it really, it's going to come, I believe it is, it is a, viable solution like i believe we could get there mm-hmm. um but it's going to take two things like i really and, and i think what's going to drive it most of all is going to be consumers yeah. you know like it's going to come down to the economics the economics for the brands to be incentivized to make changes um is is going to be a big driver for that and that's where you know we're going to have to focus our time and energy is is on the awareness is is the I think too often we as shoppers, I don't even like using the word consumers at all. I, yeah. I try and use shoppers more. Or customers. Or customers, yeah. yeah it's like, but as, as shoppers, we feel like our decisions or our purchases don't make a difference. Or we feel like 
you know, we have a sense of apathy surrounding, you know, the impacts that our, our purchases can actually have when in reality we dictate a lot and brands listen and are uh, are responsible to their customers above all else and so um there's a lot of power in that and a lot of responsibility that means the onus is on us like instead of the onus being placed on the larger brands and saying oh well look at all these people making these bad decisions i think that you know collectively we have to be looking in the mirror and saying uh we play a role in this and it's not something anybody wants to wants to really grapple with or it's it's a hard truth but but it is a truth nonetheless and it's something that that we have to recognize our our play in that do you think there's gosh i'm a i'm with you on that 100 percent. but i also it can be so tough on consumers Mm -hmm. you know and i do that's why i i put a lot of my i like to put the responsibility back onto the brands Mm -hmm. brands have all the power yeah you know and i think but i think if we can reach the consumers or the customers who work at the brands and who just go, Hey, what known supply is, is yeah. doing is so awesome. Why yeah. don't we do that here? Yeah. You know, when it comes from the inside, mm-hmm. but I think, and then once one brand change, once, once the big enough brand does it, yeah. Patagonia, for example, has having a huge influence on yeah. everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when Adidas does it and Levi's does it and Nike does it, it's just like from there, it's a trickle effect. And then you can't start a business without doing things that way yeah yeah and that's why i say it's really it really will take that dual approach is is the bottom up working with the customer to to ask more questions and demands you know the the movements out there like fashion revolution which are so heavily advocacy based and they're saying you know they're asking to demand from brands to know who who made your clothes which is great um but the brands themselves like it's gonna it's gonna be top down as well it's gonna be people in internally people who are entrepreneurs as they say who are inside these big brands who are making change and 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 seeing a different way um but at the end of the day you know one of the other things i cite is not you know you could put the onus on the big brands you could put for needing to change you could put the onus on the customers for not caring but the the bigger problem that I see right now and the one that we're trying to solve is the opportunity for alternative options. Like what else is out there? What else are we to do? How else are we to, what is our path forward? And I feel like that's a role that known supply can play is to, is to be the alternative is to, is to show a new way, um, and an opportunity for both brands or consumers to, have us help them meet them in the middle to say, Hey, let's, there's a, there's a lot, this is a complex thing. Let's start with this. Yeah. Let's do a collection. Let's, um, you know, start to clean up your closet. And if you're going to make purchases, like here's an option to like, to have a purchase you feel really great about. How about pricing? Is your pricing in line with, uh, with market? And do you have to charge more? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Um, I inherently, we are more expensive um rightly so rightly so but we have but we price ourselves as like accessibly as possible if that makes sense like we we from the beginning for us even going back to like our model for for impact it was it was giving people jobs we we had this very like (laughs) as rudimentary economics as possible in mind as we when we said okay, 
if our jo- if our goal is to give people employment who otherwise wouldn't have it, mm. the more products that we sell, the more people have jobs, and the more fairly those or you know accessibly those products are priced in the marketplace the more products we're going to sell and so we're going to we're going to price this in a way it's not it still has good margin it still is you know is still working towards solid and healthy business and profitability but is priced in a way that that is making it accessible yeah um and so that's that's always been our focus i think my goal as well is over time that we can continue to find ways that uh can make our pricing even more accessible. Like again, I I point to somebody like an Elon Musk, and and you see what he's doing in in you know electric vehicles, and and he set out this plan very clearly. I think it was probably 12, 15 years ago now, but it was I'm going to make a really expensive car that you know is going to the sale of that is going to help fund a mid level car, you know price range car. And the sale of that is going to fund uh, the everyday car, the everyday car, the T three or or whatever that is now. And so, um, you know, I I think that we have to look at social impact. We have to look at apparel in a similar way and say, okay, realize it's not at a place now where it, it can be completely accessible. But as long as we're looking for ways to continue to drive its accessibility, the more that it's a market presence across a wider swath of of people uh, and of markets, the more that people will be looking for it. Mm. Um, I was gonna, we, I'm thinking too of Elon Musk when all of a sudden they're making, you're making car, making car, and then you pivot, and then all of a sudden you're a, an energy storage company or mm. you're a tunnel boring company. Mm-hmm. So is there a pivot in store for um, known supply and what you guys are doing? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question because I think for us um, – what it has meant to champion the the people behind the products we make there's there's the thing that i love about that is the the breadth of of its expression um right now we're sort of limiting it to um the apparel that we make at factories that have this transparency through to the maker um and partnering with people to sort of maximize those relationships we have and to maximize the opportunities we're creating in those communities. But you could very easily see uh, an offshoot or, or another aspect of our business being, you know, highlighting businesses that have similar models or helping, helping brands that are, you know, the increasing number of brands that are, uh, you know, championing people and, and producing these really beautiful ethical ways. Like, can we, highlight and have an online marketplace where we're selling more of their goods and telling more of those stories or can we even help facilitate uh, production between these larger brands and these other um, smaller like factories or, or, or groups like there's a there's a broad yeah there's a broad expression or broad set of ways that I feel like we could continue to lean into this idea of of standing for the makers behind the product and that's what, you know, we're going to keep our eyes peeled on how to do that in the best way. I like that tagline, standing for the makers. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, you, heard it, you, you heard it here first on the underswell, guys. Um, or have you already used that, standing for the makers? No, I don't know. Okay, let's, okay, let's, we'll go, with it. Yeah, let's go with it. What <laughs> have been, yours, man. What have, been the, uh, what have been the biggest challenges, and are there existing challenges, and why, do, why doesn't everybody just um, operate this way? 
if it actually, and I'm, I'm going to answer my own question a little bit before I let you go in there. Yeah. Once you're doing it, yeah. you look around, you're like, guys, this isn't that hard. Why mm. have we made it so hard? But, but are there challenges that, that we don't all get to see? 100%. Yeah. I, you know, and especially for us, you know, having the, the sort of breadth of experience, the, it may not sound like a long time to a lot of people that we've been doing this for 11 or 12 years, but when you look at the, the, just presence of the space of of what uh what i call what i've sort of dubbed third wave entrepreneurship this or social entrepreneurship this idea that um we live in a very unique time where people are seeing the true business benefits of being socially minded and and investing into more of a triple bottom line mentality Mm. this a lot of these the vocabulary we use today, I always say, wasn't even, you know, in existence ten years ago when we set out on this journey and had this idea to found this brand and nonprofit that right. was, it was giving people jobs so others wouldn't have it, and but also selling in the marketplace in this cool, relevant way. Like, like there, we have made incredible like milestones to get to where we are today. Yeah. What did you guys call it back then? What was the business model? I mean, now it's purpose-driven company or social impact or, I mean, that's back when we were calling things eco and green, you know, green products, you know. What, yeah. What, what were you guys calling it? Well, what was interesting is you you mentioned this. We we set out as a nonprofit organization. For our first 10 years, actually, we operated under a, you know, 501c3 registered nonprofit here in the United States. Um, and that that was our work. And we there wasn't at that point a really a better structure, a better communication tool. So we rested on the idea of being a nonprofit. And it worked in the time that we were doing it because it made sense to people what our intentions were. Mm. It, was, it was crystal clear. Why do you guys exist? Hey, we're a nonprofit. We exist to make an impact. And everything that we do is is for that end purpose. Interesting. And then people can say, oh, then HEP will gladly support you. Yeah. Then, okay, cool. Like that checks the, the mental, you know, it checks out like, okay, this is, this is for the better. Mm-hmm. I think that what has evolved and transpired over the last 10 years is that people have a, a better understanding that it's, it's less about structure um, that even for-profit businesses can maybe create a bigger impact at scale. And that was, that was cause for us to change in the last, um, in the last two years to move toward a benefit corporation status here in the state of California. Um, so that we could access more activity, you know, more, uh, resources under a traditional, you know, business platform and to grow our business in, in different ways. But there there wasn't really a great vocabulary for that previously. Yeah. My, how things have changed. That's yeah. Awesome. But I, 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 I think I kind of skipped over. What was, what was the question that we set out on? Um, the, ch- uh, the challenges. Oh, the challenges. Yeah, I so, yeah. You. Sorry. So, yeah, the, the challenges that aren't really seen, like I, I commend anybody who's, who is uh, – you know, setting out to blend social impact or sustainability with business activities. Like, I agree to a certain extent to your statement that it, you know, that it's kind of, there becomes a moment that's like a no duh, like this is totally possible. I think that we, we are just ingrained with this idea of, of, you know, fear of change, fear of further complication when really it's, it doesn't have to be that complicated. 
Um, some of the challenges, though, that we faced in the early days of, of our work and even more as we began to scale was was blending our our core social impact activities and our business profitability in ways that uh, was potentially like damaging for the whole. And I'll give a specific example because yeah. that's kind of vague. Um, when we set out, we we started a, a facility in Uganda and then we started a second um, production facility in Peru. And we, they were our facilities. We solely managed and operated those. So um, you guys were completely vertical. Completely vertically integrated. And on top of all of that, one of the commitments that we wanted to make was consistent employment. Yeah. We will we will provide consistent employment no matter what because that's what we're trying to prioritize here. That's the fastest route for somebody to get out of poverty is if they have a consistent income, can save consistently, can plan for their future, and find inroads to uh, to careers and passions that they can even graduate from our programs and move on and into. Um, we held on to that so tightly in, in, in time when times are good and we're scaling and growing and we open up Nordstrom we and, and wholesale was it was really solid and we start our online business, that's great and there's no problems. But when there's down seasons or something changes, we, we started to feel the, the serious effects of what it meant to be completely vertically integrated, to have to have production facilities completely relying upon us, to have this additional burden of wanting to, you know, provide consistent employment, you know, at all costs. And we started to get to a place where we were making concessions or producing producing into inventory that we didn't really need or thought we would could try to sell um, that eventually over time got us to a place of saying, hey, like if we aren't smarter about our business or if we aren't thinking about the long term, we're going to be putting ourselves into a hole. We're going to be continuing to produce product that we have no home for. And as noble as our cause is, it's not going to, it's going to ultimately result in a failed business, which is not going to be good for anybody. Especially the, the, those that you're standing up for in the first place, right? Exactly. And so it's a trick. There's, there is a very delicate balance, um, for any, any brand, any company that's, that's, trying to find this line in between profitability and and impacts and and we have to you know it's it's a fight worth fighting no doubt but um we have to give ourselves grace in that process we have to understand like and have a long view of those impacts and as consumers you know we have to uh we have to try and wrap our head around around what that means for for brands as well um it means that it's probably a a slower process towards towards making you know the completely ideal setup and it'll take a little bit longer but um it's about you know chipping away at it so should consumers give brands a little bit of leniency is is maybe what i'm hearing if somebody's doing something good and they're incorporating think good things into their business give them some time yeah i think that's a piece of it i think that you know you need to do your research or i i think that has to it has to be authentic and you know you pointed to patagonia and i think one of the lessons we can learn from a brand like that is that they're the they're the first people to come to the table and say that they're 
they have so much to learn that they're they're failing constantly. Um, and I think that that's, that's the idea is like, we are all tripping over ourselves right now, but if we're putting forth the honest effort, if the, the intentions there and the systems are set in place to, to continue to improve, like, I think that that's what we need to be looking for from a, from a shopping standpoint, um, is, is investing in the people who are, uh, who are committed to, to seeing it through and not the people who say they have all the answers figured out. Cause that's honestly BS for anybody who's, yeah. who's like in the space. And it, I always, I'm always interested by this idea that a brand, let's say like Patagonia, where they are so, they're so humble in their approach mm-hmm. and willing to be open and honest and transparent and just say, Hey, we're not perfect. We're still working on it. Mm-hmm. There's like this representation. I always think of, um, just humans in general, right? We're attracted to, to human beings who are, hey, open, fair, yeah. honest, and transparent, and humble. And corporations and businesses are collections of humans anyway. So I think mm-hmm. the closer that we can get to having a business act as if they are one collective human, yeah, and and not try to be anything you're not. It's like it's the same. It's the same traits that we're drawn to in real life as humans that I think we are to brands and companies. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And that's where. The, I think that and what you're saying is like a, a fundamental flaw in in the industry is that, and speaking to apparel, is that too many people as individuals and as brands have think they have to put up the facade in the front and to say, hey, we have it all fig- figured out, like it's all good, we're great at this, you know, and yeah. and it's that it's that double edged sword that. Um, is tricky for any of us to navigate, but the, the more that we can, you know, address some of these issues with humility and to say, Hey, we're taking steps in this direction and we want you as our, as our constituents and stakeholders and customers to come along with on this ride with us. Um, the sooner people will be backing that because people, as you said, want to support people. They want to, they, they recognize themselves in, in the humanity of others and the humanity of brands. And they say, yeah, I'm, I'm still working it out too. (laughs) Yeah. We're all just getting through it. Yeah. Hey, what have you, what what about your rewards? What have been your, some of your favorite stories or what, what, when you look back even Mm -hmm. now or looking back in the future, I mean, back in, in time, what have been the most rewarding aspects of building these, these brands and these companies? Yeah, I think um, naturally there's there's like the pointing to like the impacts that have taken place on the ground and um, hundreds, if not thousands, of like people and families have um, have a better future because of the work that that we did with Crochet Kids and now that we're doing with Known Supply, which is awesome. But I think some of the things that get me even more personally excited have been been some of the insights and windows into what our world could look like with a new consumer with a new person with with a new thinking around how we purchase and think um, about our products and one of the stories that really sticks out to me uh, is a good friend of mine based in the bay area um has two awesome little daughters and she had bought her daughter one of our products and had gone through the process of saying hey here look inside here's the person who made it and even went online um so many cool stories of parents taking their kids and, sh- and showing and 
having them meet the person who made their product, yeah. learning about a different culture, going and going on Wikipedia and learning about Uganda, where this person's from. Right. Um, so that process took place and and was special. And as parents, you never really know what sinks in, but she she felt really great. The mom felt really great about about that interaction. And then it wasn't until a few weeks later, I think it was a birthday or a family member, got her another clothing item, got her a T-shirt or a dress, and she saw her daughter looking through that dress and and kind of like ru- like rustling through it. And she said, honey, what are you looking for? And she said, well, who made this yeah, one? Yeah, you know, nice. I want to know who made it. And that, that to me just warmed Heck my yeah. heart because I was like, what if – what if that is the future of our work? And what if there's more and more people who have that approach to how they buy things exactly. and that that global sort of mentality around like this connection that, you know, our purchases, the things we wear, the things we use, that like it really ties us to this global network of, of humanity, you know? Yeah, I love that. Um, so that that's something that has always stuck with me. That, that's almost a, a utopian vision, but I, I love that. I mean, even coming from the environmental sustainability side yeah. to the social side, I mean, when you start getting young people going, you know what, real quick, let me check. It's like organic, recycled, yeah. upcycled, boom, and who made it, got it, country, yes, mm-hmm. like the laws, whole thing, certified by who, whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll make the buy. That's, yeah. That's the new way, huh? That's what yeah, I mean. and I think we're seeing it. You know, you're. I know you're involved with students here, and and the the intelligence of of their questions, um, the access they have to to research brands and the resources they have to like learn more about and support the brands they they you know resonate with and that are making a conscious effort to to do something meaningful, like. I can't help but think that's only going to be rewarded more and more over yeah. time. And that's what we as known supply want to help people figure out too. Is like how can how can brands or or you know, events or organizations, how can they think about getting involved in this in in ways that that allow them to dip their toes in the water, to feel it out and to say, "Hey, how how is this?" like you know, is, is this that difficult or is this meaningful to our customer? Um, and yeah, giving them some insights into that in a real way. And the answer will always be yes. I mean, no matter who you are, who is going to frown upon the fact that you are letting people know where you made the goods, who mm-hmm. made them, how those people were treated, and that you're trying to make a better product that's better for the, for people and for the planet. Yeah. There's nothing that's not going to send a buyer away from your product. Right. You know, that's uh, that's crazy. That's crazy talk. Um, how about, so transitioning maybe a little bit because I mean, you guys have been at this for, you've been at this now for over 10 years. You just took a personal sabbatical. Yeah. Right. And you've got, you've got two kids now mm-hmm. and life is in a different place to tell us, uh, about that sabbatical. What prompted that? And, mm-hmm. and what'd you do on your time? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, you know, we, been in our work like as as long as you said and and being an entrepreneur it's really easy just to consistently just be head down Mm -hmm. you know grinding to the next thing to the next thing I think our culture is another player in that process of like this this glorified sense of of busy this glorified understanding of of you know if you're if your schedule's full and you're traveling constantly, then, then you, you're crushing it. You're, you're crushing it. it. Yeah, you yeah. Must, something's something good's happening. Um, 
so all that being said, like I've, I very much have been wrapped up in that. And it was actually my business partner and, and longtime best friend who came to me and just said, Cole, I think you need to take sabbatical. I, I love you, but <laughs> yeah, like, I think you need to, I think like you're getting a little bit wrapped around the axle on the things that, you know, you feel are important here at the business or, and, and, and it's not helpful for you. It doesn't seem super healthy for you. And it, it, you know, I don't think it's super healthy for the team. And as much as that was like really hard to hear, it was the honest truth that I needed to, to hear from him. And, um, I greatly appreciate that. And he's like, I got this side of things. Like, your ba- your second baby's on the way. Um, go figure it out, you know, or go just like not even figure it out. Go, just take some time to to just go let go. Yeah, let go. Like reorient what your expectations are and and what ultimately you want to be, you know, doing for the brand. And it was it was the biggest um, it was the biggest sigh of relief on one hand and the biggest challenge that I've had in my in my vocational like career um because on one hand it's like what a cool opportunity to think about you know what's next and what is possible and what we should be doing versus sort of being being in the weeds and the details but at the same time completely like frightening just when it came to you know what where do i add value and what what can I uniquely do? And that means a sort of reorientation of like how I look at productivity, how I, how I think about what it means to um, have an impact. It's not about the number of emails I send out or the number of phone calls I have in a day, but it's, it's more about casting the vision of our work, which is a little more gray. It's not black mm-hmm. and white. And so figuring that out and still in process of figuring out how to do that best. Um, the other thing that I set out to do was to uh, take that sabbatical to write a uh, proposal for a book, um, something, a goal of mine that I'd always had that, you know, never seemed to carve out time for or, or thought I could always do it in the margins and just wasn't going to happen in, in all reality. And so... Um, did you get that proposal done? I did, yeah. I'm starting to talk to book agents and understanding what the process could look like. Yeah. Um, telling the story, you know, that we're talking about today, the story of of Crochet Kids International, the story of being sort of at the tip of the spear of, of social enterprise and, and um, you know, the fashion world and the modern sort of understanding of how we blend social impact and business. Um, I've, you know, had a ton of passion just around that and helping other people do that well. So a book seemed like a really cool way to, to tie in some of those thoughts and do it all in one. I'd love to see it. I can't wait until it, uh, until it hits the market. Yeah, me too. Books are slow though. So it's going to be a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see here. So what's next, Cole? What's, um, what do you think? I mean, if you had to wrap things up for you, what's next for, yeah, I guess you personally, cause that would, that'll either decide or you let us know, you know, what's, what's going on. What's your next chapter looks like? What was the next five years look like for you and the brand? Yeah, that's a, that's awesome. Um, I don't know for the next five years, I, I really see a key role of mine being, uh, sort of the middleman, so to speak, like our brand is, is doing a ton of great work and, 
you know, we have great retail relationships. We have Crochet Kids International is, is still cranking. Um, but I look at the work that we're doing and I look at where the rest of the industry is at and, and this idea that so many people are trying to figure out what social impact means for for their brand, how they how they engage with this new consumer. And I want to be an interpreter. I want to be like an advocate in the, and a guide in helping people at the big brand level um, think about how they can start to incorporate, you know, these meaningful marketing stories, these this transparency and supply chain, help them help remove the fear from them around, you know, what some of that visibility could mean and help them like experience the power of what it what it really is. And so that will come through strategic partnerships, hopefully um, brand collaborations with known supply and and hopefully a whole slew of of folks who are trying to navigate this space and and then doing that as well on on like a, you know, a communication side, writing, speaking, taking again the, the fear out of it and helping people helping show people uh what's really possible with that helping lead a new generation of shoppers a new generation of people building brands or growing existing brands into thinking about how we you know honor and celebrate the makers behind behind the product um so that's my goal is to do that well um to be be a positive voice for alternative ways of how we think about you know social impact and and to make it something that's more you know top of mind for for both shoppers and uh brand people yeah so that it's no longer the alternative it's it is the mainstream yeah exactly and i it's we live at a very exciting time like it it can be i don't know if you feel this derek but i feel like at times it can be disheartening or like oh man why why isn't why hasn't this progressed faster? Why aren't more people caring about sustainability? Why aren't more people um, really you know looking into supply chain? Why don't customers care? But um, there's two ways of always looking at of of you know of looking at that or dealing with that. And one is just kind of apathy, like I'll wait until it matters to me or to my customer, and then I'll act. Or it's taking the proactive approach and saying, I'm going to be a part of, of this movement and helping introduce it in a way that is authentic and that matters to my customer and helps, helps them understand. And, you know, what side of the coin do you want to be on is, is kind of the question and the challenge that I have for people is like, do you want to be thinking, testing, understanding how what this will mean for your business now, or do you want to be looking at it in ten years when you when you quote unquote think that it will matter to your customer? And do you want to be an innovator and a leader or a laggard? Yeah, you know, no matter what. And then if you're a laggard in this space, people are like you're too, you're too late. It's yeah, like, you know everybody else has done the exciting work and has. There is a huge. I'm a real true firm believer that there is a huge opportunity in this space for brands to attack it and be loyal. And it's so funny because if you talk to brands, anybody, you know, and you look around and you say, guys, who else is doing this type of work? And there's usually a couple brands mm-hmm. and it's always Patagonia. Okay. Name another one. Uh, mm-hmm. well, you know, it's like, okay, I don't know. Crochet kids, you know, but, uh, um, I don't know. There's another one, but I meant to say known supply, but the, the field is so narrow that there's just so much opportunity there mm-hmm. to now 
start to fill that space with like, oh, and so-and-so, oh, mm. and our brand, and yeah. so-and-so. But the race won't be that easy for that long because yeah. it's just people will catch on and catch up. And it's it's an exciting space, you know, that is just, um, it's fun and it is, I think, world-changing. Mm-hmm. So I think the work that you're doing is really important. And yeah. I applaud you guys for doing it this long and continuing to, to do it because you guys are leaders in the space. So thank you for the work that you're doing. It's awesome. Yeah, and likewise, you know, the other word that comes to mind is like rewarding. You know, there's mm-hmm. no, like, the... <laughs> the thing that's undeniable is that just the the passion that employees or other folks have when they get to do this work or get to be a part of a company that they know is doing good work um is you know immeasurable like there's when you speak to so many things from employee retention to employee satisfaction it's like there there's so much to be to be said for um for stepping in and and you know coming to the table and trying to put your effort into doing something that's meaningful yeah um i like to do this little quick flash round cold Ooh, flash round. flash round of some questions some personal like questions it. okay give mm-hmm. um give us a couple books and or movies documentaries that you recommend and are, are into right now yeah. or pod, podcast any, anything Ooh, yeah what, me, what media are you consuming right now so so much media um Books wise, uh, I love a book called Essentialism. Okay. Really great, both personal, professional um, book, just surrounding this idea of like how are we focusing on what's most essential and how are we discarding basically everything, everything else. else. Yeah. I, I, I've heard about that. I think uh, my my partner Troy, I think he read that book and he recommended it. I haven't read it yet. Though. Yeah, su- such such a great application uh, across the board. Um, podcasts. Uh, how I built this. My favorite. If you're, yeah, any if you have any entrepreneurial bone in your body, or just love good storytelling. And that's if you need fantastic. some encouragement to keep yes. going, because those are the stories of like just when we thought it was over. Yes. Boom. It, yeah. Or you you see people that you know they're on a path now that you thought they were always on that path, and then you realize, oh, I did these twelve other things before, and failed at all of them, and it led me to the next thing. So yeah. that one's great. And um, a one that has been recent that's just fantastic. I'm a huge Seth Godin fan. It's called Akimbo. Okay. Um, that that's a really really great podcast. Um, yeah, it's a few few things to chew on. Cool. There. What are you doing in your spare time when you're not uh, when you're not consuming and learning and progressing? So I a couple things. I'm an extreme hobbyist, as my wife will tell you. So we just planted a garden. So. That and I've been getting really into like house plants as well. Nice, so <laughs> so funny. But I, but that's been super fun. Um, I just recently completed a triathlon, and I'm oh, wow. I'm doing more of that, riding bikes and running. Not so much swimming. I try and keep the like swimming function for surfing. Yeah. Um, and then skateboarding. I still skateboard quite a bit. My son, he's two and a half. We go we go to the Volcom Skate Park together. Right. Um, we'll cruise so. Yeah. Cool. Cole, where do people follow you and how do they keep up with what's going on and where do they look to next to keep up with your, your adventures? Yeah. So Instagram's a big one for me at Cole Grayson. Grayson's my middle name. Um, that, that's the best way to keep track of, you know, keep tabs on what I'm up to, what I'm thinking. Um, I have a blog that I've been a lot more active on, um, called everything is inspiration.com. Um, putting a lot out there just around, what we talked about today as well as more just sort of life and lifestyle stuff so uh check that out 
And then if you do the Twitter, the Facebook, any of the social media, I'm super active on all of that. Cool. Yeah. We'll find you up with the notes uh, down in the, the links in the notes section. Um, final uh, advice, words of advice to young professionals and students out there who are aspiring to follow in your footsteps, Cole. What do you, what do you tell them? Don't wait. Don't Start wait. now. Awesome. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing is like, you know, we often just as human nature, we kind of wait for this like permission or validation or, you know, somebody to tell us like we're capable of, of making a change or making some sort of difference. But I think even your, your story is a great, a great nod to this idea of like, just start chipping away at it. So if there's something that's important to you, figure out ways within the company that you're at or you know the platforms and the mediums that you have to communicate to like use your voice and and make a difference now yeah awesome cole it's been so good thank you for sharing your your story some of your story with us i'm always inspired when i sit down and talk to you so thank you keep charging good luck in this next chapter of things and um we'll keep up with what you're doing thanks for being on the show awesome thanks for having me all right cole to hear more stories like this or to learn more about our host, visit theunderswell.com.